I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. In Riverside and San Bernardino counties, over 400,000 people experience food insecurity. One in five children in the Inland Empire is food insecure, and the pandemic has only made things worse. Addressing this problem takes strength, compassion, resilience, and commitment. And these are traits that many people use to describe my guest today, CEO and president of the local nonprofit Feeding America, Riverside San Bernardino. Stephanie Otero, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What does food insecurity look like in the life of a child in the Inland Empire? So sad when you think of children. Food insecurity basically means they don't get three meals a day. I myself as a child suffered from food insecurity. And I remember thinking when I went to school and I got breakfast, you know, what is breakfast? The first time that I actually was able to receive that because that wasn't common in my household. So many of our children don't have access to three meals a day, which is a huge problem in the Inland Empire. Wow. And COVID changed a lot of things. How has it changed the way your organization is able to assist people having this uh, experience? Yes, COVID, we have seen some unprecedented amount of number of the people in need since the pandemic has hit. Primarily, our food bank works through nonprofit organizations throughout the Inland Empire. We call them community partners. We have close to 300. So primarily, we give the food to our partners and they distribute it to through their hunger relief programs. But at the onset of the pandemic early on in March, more than 50% of our partners um, closed their sites because many of them are run by volunteers volunteers, who were seniors, and so forth. So we saw a 50% closure in our site. So we had to kind of step up to the plate. And as a result, we started doing emergency food distributions ourselves. We developed what's called the HERO program. That stands for Homebound Emergency Relief Outreach. It's basically a home delivery program to vulnerable residents in need through a network of more than a 1,000 volunteers. Um, They pick up food from our food bank, and they deliver it to those neighbors who don't have um, access to transportation or maybe because of a medical condition, aren't able to go out and about right now in the community. So during March through December of the pandemic, we assisted over 1.3 million people. 25 million pounds of food were distributed during that time, which was an increase for us of over, you know, 50% at times we saw in a demand for our services. Incredible. You know, in such an affluent country, it just seems to be so strange that there are so many people who are struggling What was your first reaction uh, when you became aware of the the magnitude of this problem? Uh, and, And how did that inspire you to get involved in the type of work that you're doing to help alleviate the problem? Yeah, I've always had, you know, a soft spot for the nonprofit world in particular um, throughout my life. But I think particularly hunger, because it's something that I suffered from as a child. You know, I believe like so many others out there that, you know, food is a basic right that everyone should have access to. We have more than enough food in the world to feed everybody. So it's really, you know, a lack of resources. Poverty is involved, which is why people experience hunger. So I'm just really dedicated to making sure that we get food into the hands of people who need it. There really is no reason that people should go hungry. So we just continue to work day in and day out to to get the food as quickly quickly as possible into those who are suffering. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me a little bit more about your your coming up, because you you said you had this experience yourself when you were were younger. As you came into young adulthood, you went to school, you said you always had a soft spot for nonprofits. What what was your first stop on this this nonprofit train and, and service to others? 
Sure. Well, you know, when we were younger, we relied on food banks. Our family did ourselves. I remember very often um, going with my grandmother when um, USDA commodities would come out and that would be the, the one opportunity I'd get to have cheese, you know, because the, the government gave out cheese. So I remember we relied on food banks ourselves when we were younger and growing up, I think I just always knew I wanted to give back and help others because I remembered those who helped me when I needed it. So I kind of went into the finance world when I went into college. I'm a CPA. Um, so numbers are really my thing and lived in Palm Springs for about 13 years with my husband and had my own CPA practice and then just began to specialize with nonprofit organizations. So before I knew it, those are the majority of my clients. So 90% of the clients that I had were nonprofits. We moved to the Inland Empire about six, seven years ago. And I sort of knew I wanted to focus in on nonprofits again, but wasn't quite sure where or how. Happened to see that Feeding America Riverside, San Bernardino had an opening at that time for a part-time CFO. So I thought, this is perfect. You know, it's the best of both worlds for me. I get to do the numbers thing that I really love, and I get to also help something that I'm really passionate about. About six months later, that led to um, the actual CEO position. And I'm just really grateful that I get to be the CEO of this great organization. I don't know many other places where you can just wait up and just feel really amazing about the work that you're doing and knowing that so many people are relying on us. It's just, that's really hard to get and in, in other typical jobs out there. So really grateful to be here and for the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Sounds like um, your, your dedication. You can hear it in, in, in your voice. It's, it's really wonderful. What kind of response are you getting from people who you serve? I guess what I'm, what I'm curious about is they're grateful that you're there, obviously, But is there any talk about how do we get out of this cycle? And and I'm wondering whether that's really more of a of a policy thing and your advocacy for that, because, you know, this like you say, this doesn't have to happen. We're, We're wealthy enough where we can change this. What, from your perspective, is going on in our society that perpetuates this hunger problem? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with it's both policy and advocacy. I think it's a lot of educating of the public out there. Um, California is a very expensive state to live in, as we as we all know. And, you know, hourly wages aren't aren't the highest, particularly in the inland, inland empire. And with an ever increasing, you know, housing market and unemployment at an all time high, I think all of those are just a great combination to lead to higher food insecurity rates. So I think until we start to really delve into, you know, more policy and more advocacy, that's when we can start really try to see an impact on the overall hunger issues. I think that people who come to the food bank are not often people who have been faced with food insecurity all their lives, especially now during the pandemic. Many of the people that we're assisting, this is the first time they found themselves in need, either have lost a job due to COVID or had a medical condition or something like that. So I do feel like there are just a lot of, it was like the perfect storm with the pandemic that led to the, um, the peaks that we're seeing right now, higher than ever before. In terms of the folks that you're working with on advocacy, who have you found to be particularly responsive to what you're trying to do? 
Yeah, I think our local superintendents, our local mayor, our governor, they have all been at the forefront of really kind of hearing us in our advocacy. We belong to the California Association of Food Banks. So they do a lot of advocacy on our behalf as well. I think at the local level, we've seen a lot of support. We've received um, funding during COVID, which has been instrumental in really allowing us to get those resources to the people in need. We couldn't have done without that funding. So I think people are listening, they're hearing. I don't think that the nation was, new hunger was always there, but I don't think it was on everybody's top of mind until the pandemic. Hmm. Hmm. It's amazing. It really has lifted the veil, hasn't it, on, on so many concerns and, and issues uh, in, in our country, everything from, from health care to education and hunger. What are you seeing uh, that encourages you and uh, inspires you to keep going as you, as you work to feed hungry folks in, in our region? I think particularly during this pandemic, you know, we were hearing so much negative, all the negativity on the on the news and, you know, all the violence and the protesting. What people weren't seeing is just the generosity of our community. In the Inland Empire, which is not an area known for having a tremendous amount of resources, we have just seen our neighbors really step up to help another neighbor, neighbor in need. It has really been monumental and really just amazing to witness the amount of just generosity that our, our community has really just um you know, just it's been so encouraging to see the amount of donations coming in that are allowing us to continue doing the work that we're doing. Tell us about a, a family that you know. I mean, I don't want you to divulge anything that's that's private and that, that you shouldn't disclose, but if you could describe for us um, a, a kid or a family that you're aware of and, and the difference that uh, Feeding America uh, has made in, in their life. Sure. I mean, I think the one that always stands out for me, and there's always, you know, some real tearjerker of stories that we hear at the food bank. But I think one that really just hit home for me was a father had just lost his job due to COVID. His wife had had a surgery, so she was bedridden. They had three children who were no longer in school because of the pandemic. So their kids were losing access to getting, you know, two meals a day, breakfast and lunch. So he found himself really in a dire situation of how was he going to supply just food for his his family. So we were able to connect him with our hero program to get some food delivered. And in addition to that, we just delivered um, other resources that we had at the food bank. Sometimes we get non-food items. Um, You know, sometimes it's clothing, sometimes it's cat food, dog food, you know, it's basic shampoo, conditioner, things like that. So we supplied him with about 20 to 40 pounds of um, shelf-stable items of food. We gave him some fresh meat, some produce, I just, I'll never forget, this was common. We do this with with most people who reach out for help. And he sent this this really, really endearing message that just kind of had us all in tears that, you know, his kids had woke up. There was all this food in the kitchen. And one of his youngest exclaimed, oh my gosh, is it one of our birthdays? Is it Christmas? You know, where did all this come from? And that's why we do what we do. Um, it's stories like that, knowing that we can put a smile on someone's face with the little things of just, you know, providing them food. So that has always warmed my heart. It's a story that I defer back to um, every day of remembering why we're out here, why we're doing what we do. Now, how do folks who need your services generally get in touch with you? Do they do they call? They go online? They come by your office? What's What's the process? Sure. So lots of different ways that people can get help. They can visit our website, which is feedingie.org. They can click on our get help button and they'll 
get access. They just type in their zip code and they will see a list of partners in their area who have food pantries or have food services they're doing the different days and time. We also recommend the Got Food app. Anybody who has a smartphone can download this app and through there, same concept, type in your zip code and they'll get a list of um, our food partners or pantries in the area. If they don't have transportation or for whatever reason can't go out because of a medical condition or so forth, they can sign up for our HERO program, which is also online. Our goal is to get food delivered to them within 48 to 72 hours. So we worked with Esri on our HERO program who developed a map. So we work with about 1,000 volunteers and a volunteer will sort of get a text message when someone in their area is in need of food. Oh, that is fantastic. You know, Esri uh, does a lot of good work in the community and it's nice to, to see that uh, link with your organization and helping you identify folks who um, are in need. For someone who doesn't have access to the internet or doesn't have a smartphone, how are you able to communicate with that population and, and help them know that you're available and that there's a service available to them to, to assist? How do you get word out to them? Sure. So they can call us directly at 951-359-4757. And again, we'll assist them. We can sign them up on the website or we can give them phone numbers and addresses of places they can get food. They can also call 211 for a list of information of um, partners in their area as well. Mm -hmm. Very good. Now, you know, you mentioned earlier that a lot of our local elected officials are supportive of, of what you're doing. How much are they needing to reach out to the state and maybe even the federal government for more eyes on this issue and, and some of the broader policy uh, matters that need to be addressed to alleviate hunger? Are, are you seeing any of that activity take place? I am. I'm seeing that, you know, there are calls happening at least monthly, public policy forums where um, issues like hunger are being discussed. There's also letters that are being sent out every month. So I think the advocacy has been ongoing and really increasing since the pandemic hit in March of last year. So yeah, our local officials have been doing a great job at advocacy. In fact, um, Supervisor Hewitt, early on in the um, pandemic, he came out to one of our very large distributions. He donated his paycheck for a month to help us um, provide more food and services to the community. Mm, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's a really good gesture. Do you have a lot of networking with other food banks in California or across the country? How do you all support each other? Yes, we belong to the Feeding America Network, which is the national organization based in Chicago. We're one of 200 food banks. So our sister food banks, which are Orange County, LA Regional Food Bank, and San Diego Food Bank, we are um, always supporting each other. If there are food re resources that become available in one area that someone can't take, we try to help each other out to allocate resources across you know, the span of our, our, our birth here, girth here um, and the services that we cover in the areas that we cover. We're really supportive. We have monthly calls to, to try and talk and hear what one another is doing, changes that we've made within our food banks that can really help us all streamline the work that we're doing and serve more people. Mm -hmm. If there was um, your, your wish list for your, your organization locally, what do you need and what do you need the public to know that you need more of? Do you, do you need more staff? Do you need more donations? What, what is it specifically if you could 
if you had to pin it down to just a couple things? Thank you. That's a great question. And I think when people hear of a food bank, they think that the most thing they can do is clear out their pantry and donate their food to us. But actually, we can do so much more with a dollar because of the resources and the connections that we have. We can spread that dollar. One dollar will help us provide up to seven meals. So if someone can donate, we can do a lot with those funds, which can help us provide a lot of meals and provide more food to the community. Volunteering is also another great way. We still have volunteering shifts open at our warehouse. We do our best to do social distancing and wear our masks. Volunteers are integral to getting food out into our community. When food comes in, it has to be sorted. Um, Labels have to be checked. We have to make sure there's no openings, no cracks, um, anything like that. And we really rely on volunteers to do that before we can distribute food out into the community. Mm -hmm. What's your volunteer contingent looking like right now? About how many folks do you have? Oh, we have, you know, over a thousand volunteers. They're not all regular. So they come in, you know, we may see them once or twice a year. We have some regulars who come in weekly. So our shifts are, we have a morning shift and an afternoon shift. They're about three hours long. There's also our hero volunteers, which they assist with homebound deliveries. It's contactless. So they get an alert through their phone of when um, a neighbor needs some food and they deliver food at their front, front doorstep. That's great. What specifically would you like to see change in the way our government, and and this can be from local level or or state or national, however you want to respond, addresses this issue? If you could wave a magic wand and say, hey, I wish we would look at this this way and, and handle things that way, what would you like to see? I think the government has put a lot of funds into food food security programs recently since the pandemic. We don't always see a lot of those funds coming directly to the Inland Empire. That can be a little bit frustrating on our end because we have such a large territory and the need here is so great. So I think sometimes not having equitable distribution with the resources that do come to our state, I think that's where we could better improve on and work better towards that bigger goal. How does uh, someone who wants to help you all get there do that? I mean, is it, do you want folks to write letters? Do you want them to, to go knock on the door of their, their state legislator? <laughs> How do you want that uh, to, to get to that, to that goal? Yeah, I think all of those are really great ideas, you know, contacting their local congressmen or women and letting them know we need dollars here in the the Inland Empire. That's a mouthful sometimes that we need um, dollars here in our community. You know, the need is great here and we're often for the little forgotten area of the Southern California piece. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea is letting their voices be heard and um, sharing that, you know, we would like some of that, that those resources spread to our community. So for you, Stephanie, in terms of your own vision, your own hopes, you've got a family, you're dealing with your, your own issues and, and things. What does the, the hunger alleviation program look like for you? If things were, I guess if things were really ideal, there wouldn't be any need for the, the service that you provide. But, but seeing that that this really is um, the issue is so widespread, and I, I don't. I'm not sure that people really appreciate the extent of what's happening. Sometimes until they themselves are facing this, but you know, wave your your magic wand and your vision for how this all gets addressed and how how it works out. What does that look like for you? 
Yes. You know, I always say that my ultimate goal is to put myself out of business. You know, essentially, as you said, if we were feeding all the people in our community who are in need, our services would no longer be needed. That's the ultimate goal, essentially, right, is to is to make sure that everyone in our community has access to the food that they need. You know, we do say that everyone may at one time in their life be in a position where they need food, need the resources that our food bank provides. You know, just one job loss, one medical incident, who knows, step away from possibly being in need of a food bank. Things like the pandemic hit, who could have expected something like that to have such a significant impact on so many people in our community. So I think just really having compassion for those who are in need, not everyone who comes to a food bank who needs food is a constant. Some are first timers that come to us because they've just lost a job, because they've just had a medical surgery or something that's taken them out of work for a prolonged amount of time. So for the most part, the majority of the people that we we serve are really trying to get back on their feet. So we provide that short time supplemental assistance that people need throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's such an important service. You guys are really really doing a good job. I want to talk a little bit more about you, you personally, your, prof- your professional life and some of the uh, accolades that you've received in the region because of the work you're doing. When folks call you out and say, hey, Stephanie, you know, you're, you're really kicking it. You're awesome. That's got to be very heartwarming for you. And, and, and it's got to help you, you. You keep going. Is that how it impacts you? I mean, it does. It sets the bar a little bit higher every time when we receive some sort of accolade for the services that we're doing. You know, we're always trying to improve, to get better, to become more efficient, to see what we can do to further expand our outreach. So every time we do something great, we work to do it even better than the last time before. And I think that's what's made our food bank so successful. I think we're in our 41st year of service this year. And I mean, in the five years that I've been with the food bank, I've seen such tremendous growth and been really just proud to be part of this team. And, you know, we focus on our mission all the time. And our mission is to alleviate hunger in our community. And that's what we seek to do every time we're here. When we sit down at a table and have meetings and plan, how can we feed more people? How can we do better? Are you able to work with other nonprofits in the region, getting support from other groups? Is there a a natural synergy with some of the nonprofits in Riverside and San Bernardino that can help you uh, further fulfill your mission? Absolutely. They are the basis. Nonprofit organizations are the basis that allow us to do what we do. So we partner with, um, currently it's about 288 local nonprofit organizations. So primarily we're a distribution center. So they come get their food from us and they serve it through their hunger relief programs, whether it's an after school um, program, a school pantry, uh, a church pantry, a soup kitchen, you name it. They're probably partnered with us locally here in the IE. So we couldn't do what we do without them. So we really do rely and appreciate all of our um, community partners. Now, are these folks uh, primarily in, they're helping to alleviate hunger, or are there other, other nonprofits that have other types of services that are partnering with you? Our community partners all have some form of hunger relief service or program that they provide, which is why they partner with us. Many other nonprofits that don't have a hunger relief program per se, they are supporters of us in other ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What kinds of ways have they been able to assist you? 
Well, you know, United Way comes to mind. They've been a financial donor of our food bank for many, many years. So although they don't help us directly distribute food into the community, they do support us monetarily. That's fantastic. Now, another question about the types of food that food banks need. You know, you obviously need food that can sustain some time, uh, some shelf life, right? But how do you reconcile that with the need for folks to, you know, we hear about it all the time, how important it is for people to eat fresh food, fresh vegetables, fresh fruit. How are you able to balance a little bit of that with the realities of needing to have food that's that can stay on the shelf for a little bit? Right. So we're fortunate at our food bank to get such a variety, a variety of shelf stable items, you know, the canned goods, the pasta, and then also to get fresh produce. Fresh produce, as you mentioned, it has to be distributed rather quickly or, you know, it ends up in the landfill, which we don't want. So as soon as fresh produce is available, it's distributed usually immediately. That's something that our food bank has been working harder to get more of um, in recent years. We have quite a bit of shelf stable items, which is fantastic because canned food, um, canned fruit, canned vegetables, other canned protein that can go a long way. Um, So that's primarily what we distribute. But when we have access to fresh produce, that's definitely one of our goals. Do you have any events coming up? I recognizing, of course, that we are in a pandemic, but are you holding virtual events or other types of activities where more people in the community can learn about uh, your services and how they can get involved and, and help out? Well, we do have another large scale distribution coming up on February 19th. That's in partnership with Ashley Furniture. So we will be distributing emergency food boxes to anyone who's in need um, from 2 to 4.30, and that's taking place in Colton. So anybody who would like to volunteer can just reach out to us if they'd like to participate in that event, or if they're in need, they can just come to Colton. They don't have to reside in that area. Don't ask for any qualifying information. You just show up and you get some food. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. And we're going to have in the show notes all of the the details on how to reach you, the website, phone number, all of that kind of thing, and, and information about the event for as long as it's it's accurate, because uh, we, we want folks to, to come on out and, and get the help they need and for people who are able to assist to come out and do what they can to help you. Stephanie, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or mention that I may not have asked you today? No, I think you were really thorough. So thank you for all the great questions. Oh, well, you're welcome. And thank you uh, for taking the time and being available. Uh, Melissa reached out and said you'd be a great person to to chat with. And I have to agree that you've just been been super. Really just want to give you a high five for all the work you're doing in the community. I know how daunting it is. And good people like you, we need to clone you <laughs> and spread you around. Riverside and San Bernardino, thank you for for your your service to the community and and for the gift that you are to many many families who are struggling in our area. Great great to have you on the podcast. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you as well. My pleasure. I'm Angela Ross. Thanks for listening to SoCal Voices. If you have comments or questions, reach out to us at contactus at SoCalVoices.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SoCal Voices.